Hey everyone, welcome back to Money on a Mission. Today, we're gonna talk about the final step in allocating our money, investing. Let's get started. With all the challenges money brings, how can we manage our finances in a way that aligns with our values? To answer this question, I've looked to mentors, books, and most importantly, the Bible. Join me as we seek to glorify God and love others in the way we manage our finances. This is Money on a Mission. All right, welcome back. Today, we get to talk about the final step in managing our finances. The last few episodes, we've spent talking about the step-by-step process from the beginning. First, we covered working and earning. Then, what to do with those earnings. Give first, save second, plan for an inheritance, avoid debt, pay your taxes, and then plan out your spending. Now, we get to dig into the final step of what we should do with that money that we've saved, and that leads us to investing. I love this topic. It's in my blood. My dad was a financial advisor. My father-in-law is a financial advisor. My grandfather runs a trust. My other grandfather was a banker. So I grew up having these conversations, and I love the concepts of researching an investment, analyzing a company or an asset, taking ownership in something I believe in, and then watching it grow. It was actually investing that led me to start this podcast. I was learning so much about it that I realized I needed to step back and put it in the proper context to make sure I was doing it in a biblical way. Though I'd grown up reading the Bible my whole life, that's when I decided to read it cover to cover looking for every verse about money. And you know the rest of the story and here we are. But notice where we are in the process. We didn't start with investing. It's taken us months to get here. I thought I was going to find some guidance on investing from the beginning, but instead found way more on the proper understanding of money, on stewardship, on the purpose of money, on putting our money on a mission, and then all those steps that we've covered before this, like giving and saving that led up to finally getting to investing. That said, we've covered all that and we're now ready to dig into investing today. So first, let's talk about why we should invest. We'll start with one of the most commonly referenced passages in the Bible about money, and specifically about investing. It's found in Matthew and Luke. I'll read it from Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But the master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I do not sow, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was mine with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has ten talents. 
For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the effortless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, a lot to unpack in that one. Before we dig into the specifics, let's cover the context. Jesus here isn't specifically talking about investing. He's talking about the kingdom of God. The verse doesn't say, when you invest your money, you should do it in this way. Instead, Jesus is using money as a metaphor for our spiritual blessings that God gives to us. He's telling us to use the spiritual gifts to generate a return in the spiritual world by blessing people, by sharing our faith with others, and by bringing them into salvation. So, although we can use this lesson for finances as well, don't miss the main point of the passage either. God has given you spiritual gifts that we need to use to generate a return by blessing other people and leading them to faith. That's how we get the true reward, and that's how we honor the Lord the most. All right, with that in the proper context, we've gotten the most important lesson out of it. I do still think that we can apply this to our finances as well. Just like in this passage, we know that all our money belongs to God, and we are his servants that he entrusted to manage it. So we need to be like the good servants who managed it well and generated a return for their master. So back to the question we started with, why should we invest? This passage provides the first answer, to be faithful over what our master has trusted us with. Let's move on to another verse, Isaiah 37, 30 and 31. And this shall be a sign for you. This year you shall eat what grows of itself, and in the second year what springs from that. Then in the third year sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat their fruit. And the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upwards. I love this verse, and the same passage is found in 2 Kings 19.29-30. This one provides a second answer to why we should invest. Producing a return helps us to take root downwards so we can bear fruit upwards. Just picture that. I love that. Take root downwards and bear fruit upwards. By investing and producing a return, we grow the money that God has trusted us with so that we can do more of what God has called us to do with it. More to support the mission God has you on. More to give. More to bless others. More to provide value that serve others. So there's our second answer to the question of why we should invest. To take root downward and bear fruit upwards. Let's move on to another verse. Proverbs 28.8 Whoever multiplies his wealth by interest and profit gathers it for him who is generous to the poor. Here's answer number three why we should invest. We multiply God's money so that we can be even more generous to the poor. This one also is interesting because it says, whoever multiplies his wealth gathers it for him who is generous to the poor. So that's why we talked about giving well before we got to investing. It's not just about producing a return for yourself. It's about being generous. And whenever a return is multiplied anywhere, God is going to use that money to be generous and to execute his mission. So we need to learn how to give and how to put our money on a mission first so that when we are the ones who produce that return, we are also the ones that God would call to use to be generous to others. So there's reason number three to invest. Multiply God's money so we can be generous to the poor. All right. There's our answer to the question of why. Three reasons to invest. First, to show God that we are faithful with what he's given us to manage. Second, to take root downward and bear fruit upward. And third, to be generous to the poor. Now that we've covered the why, let's look at the what and the how. First off, what is investing? Basically, it's the process of buying assets with an expectation that they will increase in value or produce a return. This can mean buying any number of investments. Stocks, bonds, funds, real estate, physical assets, or anything else that could produce a return. That then leads us to the question of how we should invest. How should we do it in a way that produces a return and more importantly, honors God? 
We'll look at this kind of in three phases. First, cover some of the logistics of how to actually invest. Second, we'll look into what to invest in. And then third, what we do once we've invested. Sort of a beginning, middle, and end approach. So to start, how do we invest? Well, first off, the money that we invest should be the money from our savings. We've earned, we've given first, and we've saved. And now we take some of that money that we've saved and put towards investments. We should always keep some cash liquid or able to be used at any time. A good rule of thumb that people like to reference is six months of expenses. If you were to lose your job and lose your income, could you provide for those expenses for six months? Another technique is to keep money that you might need in the next three to five years out of investments so that there's no risk of losing that if you plan on spending it in the next three to five years. Once we've set aside the money for the investing, how we buy the assets really depends on the type of asset you're buying. For real estate or physical assets, you purchase it on those markets. For stocks, bonds, or funds, you purchase inside of a brokerage account. To do this, go to the website of any bank or brokerage firm, open up a brokerage account, and then transfer the money from your bank from that savings account into the brokerage. That account will allow you to buy and sell stocks, bonds, funds, and other publicly traded assets. There's also different types of accounts with different tax advantages. A traditional IRA is an account in which you do not pay taxes on your inputs, but do pay taxes on your withdrawals. A Roth IRA is the opposite, where you do pay taxes on your inputs, but do not pay taxes on the withdrawals. A 401k is a retirement account similar to an IRA, but offered by an employer. There are also different types for self-employed, government workers, and various varieties of these different accounts with different tax advantages. So do the research and know what type of account works best for you. All right, regardless of the type, inside of the account, you can now purchase your desired portfolio. Some brokerages do this for you, and if you open an IRA, they'll automatically enroll you in a target retirement fund or something like that. You can also set it up so that you do it yourself, where you do the work and the research or enlist the help of an advisor to pick specific investments inside that account. When making that decision, remember Proverbs 15.22. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. So, if you're going to make the decisions for yourself, have some trusted resources and mentors and advisors to help you with those decisions. Or, if you're going to have an advisor or a fund manager do it for you, make sure that they're providing wise counsel and that you still keep track of the decisions they're making so that you can understand your investments properly as well. Whether you or an advisor are the ones making the actual purchases, let's move on to the second part of what to invest in. So, once we've set it all up and we know how to do it, what should we buy? Every investment should meet four criteria. First, we need to understand what we invest in. Remember Proverbs 27:23, know well the condition of your flock. We need to know where our money is going. We need to know the things that we're buying. If we don't understand, we can't possibly make a proper decision about how to invest. If we do understand, we can really analyze if that's where we want our money going and that's where we want to put the finances God has trusted us to manage. Second, every investment needs to align with our values. Proverbs 16.8 says, Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Make sure that every investment we make is righteous and aligns with the biblical values that we've been talking about this whole time. Regardless of what type of return something promises, it's better to invest in something that is glorifying God than something that is simply producing money for you. And the best part is, those don't have to be mutually exclusive. There are investments out there that God would be proud to see you invest in and produce a great return. So, make sure you understand a company's values or an asset's value when you invest and how that aligns with your values as an investor. Third, an investment should produce a return. 
After we understand, confirm it aligns with our values, then we analyze the returns. Remember the passage we just read in Matthew 25, where the servant says, Master, you delivered me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. What did his master say to him? Well done, good and faithful servant. We should invest just like that servant to generate a good return. This means we buy the right assets, we buy them at the right price, and they have good potential for growth. The fourth principle in what to invest in is make sure that we diversify. Ecclesiastes 11.2 says, Invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. So don't stick to just one. Don't put your eggs in one basket. Invest in multiple different things, multiple asset types, multiple industries, multiple companies, and spread that money out in a variety of different areas. But remember the first step. We need to understand every investment. Diversification by itself isn't the answer. Don't put all your eggs in one basket, yes, but spreading it out among a bunch of baskets may not be the answer either. We need to know what those baskets look like and choose a handful that are right for us. There is something to be said about over-diversification. Notice this verse says seven or eight, not a thousand. If you over-diversify, you can never truly understand each one of the investments that you've made the way that we should. So, the way that I like to think of this is diversify enough to limit your risk, but not so much as to undermine your ability to understand your portfolio. So, there's our four steps. Understand what we're investing in. Make sure it aligns with our values. Make sure it produces a good return. And remember to diversify. With those four steps in place, now let's look at a handful of different asset classes to apply those steps. First, real estate and physical assets. As for understanding, it should be fairly straightforward. If you're going to buy an item or buy a house, know what you're buying. Understand the local market, understand the history and the trends, and know the value of what you're buying. As for aligning with our values, it's kind of hard to go wrong with property, but still, make sure that there's nothing unrighteous about the property that you buy. For returns, there's enough data out there to estimate what a house is worth and make sure that you buy it for a good price compared to that value. Look at the data and look at the trends to determine if that location and that house is going to generate the return that you want. As for diversification, don't put all your savings into one piece of property. Maybe buy a few or put part of your portfolio in real estate and part into something else. All right, second asset type let's talk about is bonds. For understanding, when you purchase a bond, you're loaning that money to a third party usually a government or a company. In the U.S., there are three main types. Treasury bond is issued by the U.S. Department of Treasury on behalf of the U.S. government. A municipal bond is issued by a municipal government like state, county, or city. And a corporate bond is issued by a company or corporation. When you buy a bond, you're loaning the money to that entity that they can then use as they see fit and pay you back with interest. All right, aligning with values. The money that you put in goes directly to that third party, so you need to know that they're using it in a righteous way. What is the government, federal or municipal, or company spending that money on? Make sure you know and make sure it's righteous. As for returns, the profit comes from the issuer of the bond paying you back with interest. The risk comes from the potential that that issuer doesn't pay you back. For a treasury bond, the risk is pretty low. Really, the only chance of that happening is if the U.S. government were to fail completely. As a result, you can expect a lower interest payment and a lower return. A corporate bond can have a higher risk depending on the condition of the company. The less likely they are to be able to pay you back, the higher the risk, and as a result, the more interest they should pay you on that bond, generating a higher return. As for diversification, again, pretty straightforward. Don't put all of it into one. Invest in a handful of bonds or have bonds as a part of your larger portfolio. Third, stocks. 
As for understanding, a share of stock is a piece of a company. So just like we've talked about with the others, know the condition of your flock. Understand the companies that you buy. How does that company make their money? What's the market like? What's their competition like? What are their finances like? Do they have a lot of debt, good savings? What are their historical growth rates? We need to know what a company is worth so we can know what we're paying in relationship to that value. Of note here, a stock price should in theory mirror a company's value, but that's not always the case. Prices can change based on the market. The market is after all just a collection of buyers and sellers. So emotion, world events, and trends can influence buying and selling to drive prices way off from the true value of that company. And that's where understanding becomes so crucial. If you know the value of what you own, you'll know when to buy and you won't worry about short-term changes in the price. Moving on to aligning with our values. The companies that we buy, the stocks that we buy, should model the steps that we've covered so far in this podcast. They should earn their money in ways that are righteous and honest. They should provide value to their customers, not extort, trap, or steal. They should treat their employees really well. And then they should manage their money using good principles of stewardship. They should give. They should save. They should not have excessive or unnecessary debt. And they should plan out their expenses. You can find all of that in their financial statements and in their annual reports. Doing a little bit of reading and a little bit of research can make sure that the companies we're investing in align with our values. Because after all, when we buy a stock, it doesn't just go into our portfolio. The money that we buy it with goes to support that company. Essentially like we're casting a vote with our money in our investments. So make sure that the money that you spend is going into a company that you believe in and a company that the Lord would be pleased to see us investing in and supporting. Moving on to the returns. The return in a stock comes from the potential for that company to increase in value. The risk comes from the potential that that company would decrease in value. So again, if we know what we own, we know that we're buying companies with a good potential for return. For diversification, make sure that we own a handful of good companies. There's a lot of opinion on the right number, but I just go back to what we said earlier. Enough diversification to limit your risk, but not so much that you aren't able to understand what you own. Okay, last asset class that we'll talk about are funds. For understanding, a fund is a collection of investments that's packaged together and sold as one unit. A mutual fund contains a portfolio of stocks. A hedge fund also contains stocks but can include options, shorts, and other types of derivatives on the stock market. An index fund is like a mutual fund but not actively managed and instead simply tracks an index or a list of companies. A real estate fund can buy and sell properties, a venture capital fund can invest in private companies, a debt fund can issue loans, and any number of funds can do any type of investing that will generate a return. No matter what type of fund it is that you're looking at, just apply the same principles. Understand what you're investing in. Know what is contained in the fund and make sure it aligns with biblical values. In a complex fund, you should definitely be doing your research. But even in the simpler ones like an index fund or mutual fund, take note of what you're buying. That leads us to aligning it with our values. Most indexes contain a huge number of companies, and sometimes you might not want to be supporting every company in that portfolio. For example, the S&P 500 index contains the 500 biggest companies in the U.S. In general, investing in that index is an investment in the U.S. economy as a whole, which, as a package deal, might align with your values. But Depending on how you feel about some individual companies within that, you might want to think twice before just purchasing that index and calling it good. There are some great companies that you definitely would want to support, but there are also things like tobacco, cannabis, alcohol, unhealthy food, excessive media use, and things that you may not want as a part of your portfolio. 
That's not to say that any of those things are necessarily bad, evil, or sinful, just to say that you need to be comfortable with what you're investing in. So, before just buying an index, make sure you understand what's in there as well. As for returns, when buying a fund, you can look at all types of reports generated by the fund managers, see the historical and predicted returns, and read the prospectus to know what they're predicting in the future. For diversification, a fund will inherently be diversified to some degree by having multiple investments inside of it, but some can still be fairly concentrated. So still make sure to spread it out. Either find a fund that does that diversification for you, or multiple funds to cover all your bases. Okay, that wraps it up for what we should invest in. Finally, what should we do after we've invested? And the answer is pretty simple. Apply the same principles that we applied to our working and earning. Know that all our money belongs to God. Continue to work hard and add to it. Be patient and know that the success comes from Him. And with that, let's wrap it up on investing. To summarize, there were three reasons why we should invest. To be faithful with what God has trusted us to manage, to take root downward and produce fruit upwards, and to enable us to be generous and put God's money on a mission. When we invest, we should invest in the life of others and in the kingdom of God first and foremost. After that, when we invest our finances, follow these steps. Give and save first, then invest from your savings. Buy assets that you understand, that align with your values, that produce a good return, and that diversify your portfolio. Above all, invest in things that are honoring to God. Then, once you've invested, be patient, know the money belongs to Him, and the returns belong to Him as well. And that is our final step in allocating our finances. We started months ago with working and earning, got through giving, saving, spending, debt, taxes, inheritance, and finally wrapped it up today with investing and generating a return. That leaves us with just two episodes left of Money on a Mission Season 1, and I'm really excited to finish strong. Until then, for more from Money on a Mission, make sure you subscribe so you get the new episodes as they launch. Also, add a rating and a review. That does a lot to boost the podcast and help it reach more people. Second, head to the website, moneyonamissionpodcast.com. You can find show notes of all the verses we covered and more, and find a place to enter your email so you can join the newsletter for each new episode. Third, I'd love to engage with you on Instagram. My username is Ned Kingman. Like and comment and shoot me a direct message with any questions or topics you'd like to see on the show. Finally, most importantly, please share this podcast. I'm going to say this every time. The more that you share directly to a friend or someone that you think this could impact, the more this message spreads and changes the way our generation manages money. Let's work together and reach as many people as possible. I hope and I pray that you've been blessed through this episode and I can't wait to see you next time. Until then, glorify God, love others, and always manage your money on a mission.